Be praying for those kids. They're our future. They're the church's future. Maybe, maybe there's some pastors in there. Maybe. There needs to be. <laughs> Go ahead and give me, give me the next slide. Um, I'm, I'm no Lou Giglio, but I saw this picture this week, and I have to share it with you. Uh, this image from NASA's James Webb Space... I'm going to read it because otherwise I'll mess it up. Uh, James Webb Space Telescope of a ma massive galaxy cluster called WHLO 137-08 contains the most strongly magnified galaxy known at, at this point. The Sunrise Arc. And within that galaxy, the most distant star ever reached. The star, or detected, we haven't reached it, but detected. See, I tell you, i got to read it word for word. The star, nicknamed Arendelle, was first discovered by this Hubble Space Telescope. Follow-up observation using Webb's near-infrared camera reveals that the star is a massive B-type star, more than twice as hot as our sun, and about a million times more luminous. Gives off a million times the light that our sun gives off. Arendelle is positioned along, and I love, I love the wording of this, a wrinkle in space-time, whatever that means. It's, a long, it's positioned along a wrinkle in space-time that gives it extreme magnification, allowing it to emerge into view from its host galaxy, which appears as a red smear across the sky. In this image, the sunrise arc appears... Okay, it's this red one right at the end of this here. It's, it's that red blob there, okay? We see it over here, right here. That's the sunrise arc. It appears just below the diffraction spike at the 5 o'clock position. The fuzzier white galaxies at the center, and these are galaxies, folks. The, the, these fuzzy white things, those are galaxies. They're not stars. And they're galaxies, and galaxies have millions and millions of stars in each galaxy, okay? White galaxies at the center of the image are part of the galaxy cluster bound together by gravity. The various redder curved galaxies are background galaxies picked up by the web-sensitive mirror. Now... To, to not just get to that galaxy, but to get to that star, Arendelle. And, and, I, and, and I apologize. Go ahead and put the next. Okay. Anybody, can anybody tell me what that number is? It's 8 billion, okay? It's 8 billion. Now, I... I cut off part of my story, and this is why I should have left it on there, because I can't remember, and I can't remember if that star, if it would take you eight billion light years to get there or eighty billion. I I think the the thing said eighty, but it because I didn't 
copy that part of the story. I lost it, and I, you know, I lost it. So um, we'll go with the smaller number. It will take you 8 billion light years to get there. 8 billion light years. Okay, the speed of light. Anybody got that off the top of their head? 186,000 miles per second. That's seven and a half times around the earth in a second. That's moving. Okay, and that's one second. Now do that for eight billion years. And, and you might get to this. I, I think it's, actually, I think it was 80 billion, but again, we'll just, so our minds don't hurt quite so bad, we'll just say eight billion. Eight billion light years to get there. In, in, in Bible school, we had our posters up here on the wall, and the first day we talked about creation. And, and the day that, that God created stars, well, I'm going to read a couple of verses. I'm not, not from Genesis, but, but, but when God created this, he spoke, and it was. He spoke. All he, all he did was speak, and he said, let there be stars. And look what he got. Isn't that incredible? Okay, a couple of verses I want to read. Um, Jeremiah 31, 35. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the seed so that the waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. Wait a minute, that wasn't the verse I was looking for. Let me try Job. Job 38. Uh, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Well, that's not the verse I'm looking for either, but that's pretty cool too because did you know that scientists discovered, I think this was back in the late 70s or early 80s, scientists discovered that every star has a musical note to it. You want to talk about a bell choir. Every star, and, and they sing together. Talk about goosebumps. The stars that God created sing together. Turn to Psalm 148. Maybe this is the verse I'm looking for. Starting uh, Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Praise him sun, moon. Praise him all stars of light. <coughs> Praise him highest heavens in the waters that are above the heavens, let them praise the name of the Lord. That's not the verse I'm looking for either. <laughs> Psalm 147, verse 4. Psalm 147, this is it. This is it. He counts the number of the stars. And he gives names to all of them. One of the things we shared in Bible school when we were talking about creation is that this is what our God created. And every one of those stars, billions and billions and trillions, we can't even count them. But he not only counts them, he knows their names. But you know what's even more amazing? 
God knows your name. He knows your name and he cares about you. And he has a plan for you, for every one of us. <laughs> this, this six billion population on the earth ain't nothing for him to remember names <laughs> compared to his stars. We talked about Adam's special job and he had to name all the animals. Sorry, Adam, you're, 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 you haven't passed the junior level. God names every one of the stars. And as amazing as that is, is he knows your name. And he has a plan for your life. <coughs> it's one of those things that we, we really wanted to impress on the kids in Bible school. Was that they understood and knew that, that God cared about them. And as, as massive as his creation is, he cares about each and every one that was sitting in these seats for Bible school. He loves you. And Okay, now this is grown-ups. He loves you. He loves you and you and you and you. I can go everyone all the way around. He loves every one of you. And he has a plan for your life. The title of my message today is Stand Firm. That, that was just the introduction. That was, that's not my message, okay? We'll see how it works, and hopefully before the end, I, I'll get it there. A couple of weeks ago, um, we, we've, again, had a lot of missionaries this summer, a lot of guest speakers. We were camping last week. Um, thank you to Ted Joles for filling in for a couple Sundays. Uh, but the last time we were together, and I, I had the privilege of speaking, was July 16th on, on standing firm. You can turn there. Uh, the, now, this is the intro to my sermon, okay? That was just kind of an intro. This is the intro to my sermon. But just a quick review of what we talked about since it's been almost a month ago. Um, Isaiah chapter 10. I'll try to make it briefer than the star story. If you, if you recall, we were talking about the king of Assyria and, and how he, he said, look at what my hand has done. Look at what my hand has built. In, in a couple, the next chapter, chapter 11, God was talking about what he did for his people by the power of his hand. And now we know that that king of Assyria uh, in Isaiah 34, 35, 36, when, when he, the angel of the Lord came and, and took care of his pride and his arrogance because in one night the angel of the Lord went through the Assyrian camp and wiped out 185,000 soldiers. The Israelites didn't even have to lift a sword. The angel of the Lord took care of it for them. And God, and God says in chapter 11 of Isaiah, it will happen on that day that the Lord again will recover the second time with his hands. Verse 12, he will lift up with his hands a standard for the nations. And verse 15, as is, is, is comforting and as is, 
is encouraging is knowing that God's hand is over us. Uh, it can also be pretty scary because in verse 15, he will wave his hand over the river with a scorching wind and will strike it into seven streams and make men walk over dry shod. God's hand will take care of us and will provide for us. We can stand firm in the fact uh, that, that God will watch over and take care of us. And we talked about Exodus, and Exodus, the, the Exodus from Egypt and the, and the plagues and how Pharaoh kept hardening his heart. And, and each way that he did that on, on all ten times, and on the tenth time he finally said go. But in Exodus chapter 14, Exodus chapter 14, uh, verse 13, Moses said to the people, and they're complaining, okay, they come out, and, and they're up against the sea, and now they look behind them, and they see Pharaoh, he changed his mind, because there, there went all that free slave labor. And there comes Pharaoh and his chariots, and his soldiers, they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to kill him, and, or, or take him back into captivity, in verse, uh, Exodus 14, 11, Moses said, uh, oh, they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Verse 12, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians rather than to die in the wilderness. Verse 13, but Moses said to the people, do not fear. Almost sounds like Rock Shazak, doesn't it? Do not fear, be strong and courageous. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again. Because they're going to be at the bottom of that sea. Because of God's hands and what he's going to do. So stand firm in your faith, stand firm in the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish Whenever, whenever we see Israel invaded, it's for one of two purposes. One purpose that, that God would allow it to be invaded would be that his power and salvation would be seen by his people. And the other time, or the other cause or reason that, that God would allow the nation to be in, invaded and taken captivity and taken over was to carry out his judgment on his people for their continued uh, rebellion against him and their non-obedience, their disobedience, for their sin. They would be punished. That's why, that's why God allowed them to go into the land to begin with. People think, well, they, they just went in and, and killed all those kings and all those people because uh, that, that land was theirs. We'll understand that, yeah, that's true, but, but God was also carrying out his people, his, his judgment on the people that were re residing there. Because they didn't follow him. He, he, he didn't, God didn't just send the, the Israelites in to slaughter people for the sake of slaughtering them. It was his judgment on those people for their worshiping of idols and not worshiping him. And then the same thing happens to the Jews and they get carried off to Assyria and Babylon. Babylon. Because of their sin and disobedience. He allows his judgment to come upon them. Second Chronicles, and, and you can turn here because we'll be here for a few minutes. 
2 Chronicles chapter 20. Got some folks coming to make war against Jehoshaphat and Judah. Remember the northern tribes were called Israel and the southern two tribes were Judah and occupied the territory that included Jerusalem. Verse 3, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3. Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord. Wow. Why don't we do that? Remember Nehemiah? What did he do? He heard of the need back in Jerusalem and he prayed. Jehoshaphat here is concerned because there's the Moabites, Ammonites, and the Edomites coming to attack. And he turned his attention to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Verse 6, O Lord, the God of our fathers, art thou not God in the heavens, and art thou not ruler over the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? Verse 9, should evil come upon us by sword or judgment or pestilence, famine? We will stand before this house and before thee, for thy name is in this house. And we'll cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. This is the case where the, the attacking kings wanted said, listen. Other people's gods and idols haven't been able to deliver them from us. Your God can't either. <laughs> Don't say that to God. Verse 12, we're powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And all Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Then in the midst of the assembly, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, the Levite, the son of Asaph, and he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Verse 17. You need not fight in this battle. I don't know if any of you remember when we were in Joshua that we, we always went back to Deuteronomy 3.23 and says you don't need to fight these battles because God will fight them for you. Guess what? He's got a pretty good record. Yeah. Baseball players, if they get one hit out of four times that's considered a success. God's batting a thousand. You need not, verse 17, 2 uh, Chronicles twenty seventeen. you need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. 
O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Verse 20, about halfway through it. Listen to me, O Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. End of verse 21. Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. And then they began singing and praising the Lord. Or excuse me, singing and praising. The Lord set ambushes against the son of Ammon. Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. For the sons of Amnon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they, they helped to destroy one another. Verse 22, when they began singing and praising... Ah, let's see our armies get ready for battle today by singing and praising God. That's not how they do it. They should, but we don't. Again, the two kings went against the third king and destroyed him. And when they were done destroying him, they started destroying each other. That's one way to not suffer any casualties, right? Not have any wounded. Let God do the fighting. But again, back to verse 17. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Okay, we're going to, next, next section, we're going to spend a few minutes in Psalms. Several different passages in Psalms. Let's start out in Psalm 30. I'd love to read the whole chapter, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to read verses 6 through 9. Now, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. O Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand firm. You did hide your face, and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise thee? Will it declare your faithfulness? Yeah, read that, whole, read that whole psalm this afternoon. Gives you a better picture. You have made my mountain to stand firm. Back a few pages to Psalm chapter 20. Verses 6 through 8. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. There's that hand again, the hand of God being involved in our lives. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. 
They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood firm. Save, O Lord, may the king answer us in the day we call. You see, the, you, do you get the sense or the understanding, the reliance upon him? We just need to let him, and that's how we'll stand firm. Psalm 33. Love to read a lot more. <laughs> uh, verse 11 and 12 The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart are from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose, Lord, whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Okay, I lost my stand firm in that chapter. Well, certainly, and again, the whole chapter, um, verse 3, Sing him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. It's by uh, verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. Again, the, the awesomeness of God and our reliance upon him to fight our battles. Psalm uh, 40. Verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He has set my feet upon a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He has put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. He gives us a firm place to stand. Psalm 93. I'm going to read the whole chapter, all right? All five verses. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Thy throne is established from of old, though thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding waves more than the sounds of many waters, than the mighty breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your testimonies are fully confirmed, also translated, are, where'd it go? The testimonies are fully confirmed, or to stand firm, holiness benefits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Boy. Psalm 119. No, we're not going to read that whole chapter. Verse 1, how blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. 
You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I should not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. The word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinance of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 11 there. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. How can I stand firm? A lot of last time in the beginning of today we talked about what God is doing for us. What he will do for us. He will make a place for us to stand firmly. He will fight our fights for us. But what's our part and our responsibility? You got a glimpse of it right there. That it's in his law that we need to meditate and focus and concentrate and permeate. And, and let it be who we are. If the devil uses someone to squeeze you, what's going to come out? What comes out when you're anybody gets under your skin and pushes all your buttons? Sorry, I'm thinking I have a vision in my head right now. If any of you have seen the movie Elf when he gets on the elevator in New York City and he's hitting all the buttons. Satan doesn't have to push all of our buttons. He's just got to push one. <laughs> Psalm 19. Psalm 19, beginning in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. I think I'll, I'll share the, the rest of these next Sunday at, at, our, at our church picnic, but something that just, 
heavy on my heart. As, as Christians in America, we think that God's plan for the whole world and his return revolves around America. Folks, while, while our, our society is turning its back on God and it's becoming dark and ugly in our country, the church is growing amazingly in other countries overseas. So we don't need to play chicken little and say the sky is falling. God's coming back next week. It can't get any more evil than this. Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't this bad. And I'm not so sure that it was. But God doesn't determine his timetable according to our society and our country here in America. His, his plan is global, okay? It takes up the whole world. But what's happening is, is here in America, there are, are mega churches, churches with thousands and thousands of members. That are, at this point in their history, they have been, and, they, and the reason they grew is because they preached the word of God as truth. And now they're saying that this isn't God's word. We don't need to follow this. There's a, a famous Christian artist who is, and, and, I, and I'm not going to talk about the sin that, that she and her husband are approving of because that's not the point. The, pointing, the point is, is that they're saying that what God said word, God's word says is wrong is okay. And there's churches that are saying it's okay. To not follow this. Because it's not God's word. It's not truth. Rubbish. It's garbage. We have to be prepared to stand firm, folks. And it will get harder and harder in this country. And, and maybe the prayers of the church in China and Myanmar are being answered or will be answered soon. Because for at least the last decade, they have been praying that God would bring persecution to this country to purge the church. This past week, our, our state legislatures, and I, I don't know, I know that the house, the state house passed the bill. I don't know if the Senate has and if the governor signed it, but I'm sure that it will only be a matter of time. They passed a bill that said, if you use the wrong pronouns for somebody, you can be charged with a felony and thrown in jail for 10 years. In our state, folks. In our country. The place that we thought, that'll never happen here. Are you ready to stand firm? How, how, how can I stand firm? Let God put your feet on the place that he prepared for you to stand firm. And I'll tell you where that place is. It's right here. 
Doesn't matter what our legislature say. And it's, and it's not about hate. It's not that we hate people that sin because guess what? We're all sinners. Every single one of us. Just that your sins might be a little different than mine. But we're all sinners. So we don't hate anybody. God doesn't teach us to hate. The only reason we know how to love is because he showed us how. And we need to love one another. We need to love the worst of sinners. Paul tried to convince us he was the worst. I'm sure there's some of us that could bump up against him in that competition. Not that that's something we want to win. Schools can spout what they want. They're just, they're just the puppets of, of Satan. Um, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying all schools are. That didn't come out right. Schools can be used as a tool by Satan to propagate evil. And the nonsense that they're espousing. Not every school, not every teacher. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But they can certainly be used as a tool. Our, our college universities certainly have been. They've been doing it for decades. Why, why should it shock us or surprise us? Folks, as, as long as I'm standing in this pulpit, this church is going to preach the word of God. It's not going to preach anything else. If you ever, if you ever ask me to leave because I'm preaching the word, God help your souls. We have to stand firm. We have to stand firm on God's word and, and never, never waffle or wave. Never say, oh, this is okay because everybody else is saying it is. If God's word says it's wrong, it's wrong. God's word calls it sin, it's sin. And people are going to go to hell that don't come to Jesus Christ. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Father, give us faith. Give us courage. Rock Shazak that we will stand firm to the very end. If it requires our lives, then so be it. But that we will stand firm on your word. That we will stay true to it, Father. Psalm 51 says, Purge us. With a hyssop, clean us. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God.
May we ever be true to you, Father. May we stand firm on the word of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me if you would. We're going to.